The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. now how are you now how am i now well i just spent two and a half hours watching probably the worst game um so far under martin saint louis as coach of the montreal Canadiens. the habs lose by a score of four to nothing to the carolina hurricanes in carolina hello and welcome to episode 68 of the bottom six minutes podcast presented by habs eyes and the prize i am matt drake and um I'm not pissed off about that one. I mean, what do you expect? The the Hurricanes look like they might be the best team in the East. If you consider, uh, I was talking on the EOTP chat with Justin Blades, our managing editor, and uh, he said, if you look at the Habs test, they might be the best team in the East. And I think that's true. If you look at the games against Florida uh, and against Toronto, them being probably the other two best teams in the East right now, I think Carolina played the toughest game against the Habs. Like, they couldn't score. Couldn't get anything going. Freddie Anderson looked pretty great in net. Um, and this one was really not very close, especially in the first two periods. So we start the game out pretty early in the first period. Uh, Larry Dolphins, Laurent Dauphin, although he's much more famously known as Larry Dolphins, I would say personally, takes a cross-checking penalty. And it takes about three seconds for the Hurricanes to score. Toivo Teravainen takes a point shot, gets tipped by Sebastian Ajo. It's one nothing. The Habs slowly started to get back into the game as that period went on. You know, as they've done recently. You know, they they got better as the period kept pl- being played out. But you know, of course, missed slash on David Savard. He gets slashed right on the hand, and for whatever reason, Savard he gets upset about the fact that there's no call, and he decides that he's just going to follow Andrei Svechnikov to the net and be pissy about it, and you know, slash him and cross check him. And doesn't really do a whole lot to prevent Svechnikov getting to a loose puck in front of the net and banging it in and making it 2 nothing. I was a little bit upset that they missed the slashing call. They missed a lot of calls in that first period. But I was a lot more upset at how David Savard reacted. And I'm going to have in a moment to tell you about something else he did in the second period. Because we get into the end of the first period. Because uh, that last goal was very late. It's already 2 to nothing. We go into the second period. A couple minutes into the second, halves get hemmed in. David Savard again, looking completely lost in his own zone. Um, he's just skating around kind of aimlessly. Joel, uh, not Joel Schooneman, Corey Schooneman uh, is skating around trying to kind of cover for him, but he's not sure where to go because he's not sure where David Savard is going. And again, I don't think David Savard knew where he was going. And of course, Toivo Teravainen gets it in the slot, puts it in. 3 to nothing for the Hurricanes. Now, I mentioned the missed slash because that call was not nearly the most egregious call that they made at the night or non-call that they made on the night. The most egregious call that they made on the night 
Habs were already shorthanded later on in the second period. Uh, Nick Suzuki got a, a boarding penalty. It was a deserved boarding penalty. Definitely a good call there. Fair call. But then Jake Allen gets hit up high with a shot, and his helmet's loose. One of the straps was off, I believe. And he's, like, trying to readjust it with his hand, and he can't. And he, he faces a few more shots, and he stops them. And then he just pulls the mask off because he's like, I can't see and I can't fix this thing. And they call him for delay of game because he pulled the mask off. Now, this penalty call really grinds my gears. All right. What do you want him to do? He he made a couple of saves. It's not like he pulled it off in, in the middle of play. He waited until after he had made a couple of saves. And it's not like the Hurricanes had a golden scoring chance or anything like that. I mean, he's not trying to impact the game. Obviously, the faceoff is going to come back inside anyways. Obviously... They're still going to be shorthanded. He's not changing anything about the game. He's just trying to protect himself because it's not safe for him to be facing shots from NHL players with a mask that's not on his face right. But the refs, of course, they, they give him a fucking penalty for it, and then he's sitting there arguing about it, and the refs are like, oh, well, too bad. And it's like, well, you know, all you had to do was check the helmet. If you went and just looked at the helmet that was sitting right there, I, I believe it was sitting on top of the net by the time they called it, you would have seen that the strap was off. And sure, I know I get, get what you're going to say. is like, well, Allen could have easily just dislodged the strap afterwards to make it look like it was already dislodged. Look, what this was the fourth penalty that you had called in that game, all of which were against Montreal up till that point. I mean, that's the type of penalty call where I'm not saying these refs had money on the game, and even if they did have money on the game, who's betting on that game and not putting their money on Carolina anyways? But that's the type of call where you go, I wonder if this guy has money on the game. I mean, for real. Just a ridiculous call. And at that point of the game, literally every call had gone against the Habs as well. So it seems a little bit suspicious at the very least. Right? But anyways, it gets to a 5-on-3. The Habs managed to kill that off. And, uh, you know, they were pretty good for the remainder of the second period. Not great. Pretty good. Better than they were for, uh, you know, the early part of that period. But, of course, spent a lot of time shorthanded as well. So, shots heavily in favor of the Carolina Hurricanes, as you would expect. And it wasn't just the power plays. It was, you know, even at five on five, they were clearly the better team. They're very good. Got to hand it to them. We get into the third period, and uh, it's almost like the refs realized that they were making it too obvious that they maybe had money on the game because now all of a sudden they start calling all the penalties against Carolina. Uh, But the Habs power play just completely incapable of doing anything with three different opportunities granted to them by the officials in that period. The Hurricanes penalty kill, uh, I can't say enough about it. They're very good at that. Sebastian Ajo, man, God, what a player. There's an alternate universe somewhere where the Habs did, or sorry, the Hurricanes did not match the offer sheet that the Habs put down on him, and I want to live in that universe. I want to live in the universe where he plays for the Montreal Canadiens. He's so goddamn good at killing penalties. Um, and they, they killed all three of them. Habs couldn't do anything. Has pull the goalie, take Jake Allen out of the net with about three minutes and change left in the game. And Tuevo Teravainen takes a long shot at the empty net, puts it in. 4 nothing final score. Now, obviously, I got my bone to pick with the officials, right? Primarily on that Jake Allen call. That was one of the worst calls that I've seen in a long time. But the Habs absolutely can't blame the officials for that loss. Even at 5-on-5. Five the shots were 34 to 21 in favor of the Hurricanes. So, realistically, especially with the officials giving you three power play opportunities in the third period, what sunk the Habs was their inability to do anything on the power play. And, I mean, again, what do you really expect? The Hurricanes are cup contenders, they have a fantastic penalty kill, one of the best in the league. 
it's not like I'm going to sit here and lament the fact that Montreal couldn't get three power play goals in the third period against one of the best teams in the league, right? I think there's definitely a learning experience there. You know, the coaching staff and the players get the opportunity to, you know, try what they're currently doing against one of those best penalty kills and find out it's not working. And now you get to make some adjustments, right? Now you have a, a better idea of what you can and can't do against some of those top teams. And I think that's valuable. There's some value in that. You know, you, you, you lose the game, but everybody was expecting you to lose that game anyways. At the very least, I hope that they learned something about that power play. I'll tell you what else we learned. Uh, David Savard has some issues to his game, and I know he missed some time this year, but this was easily one of the worst games I've seen him play in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. Might be one of the worst games he's played in the NHL altogether. He looked completely lost out there. And I've talked about this before. I would like to not see Luke Richardson back next year. Because I've seen David Savard have, have some really good games in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. We've seen it. Right? Why is he all of a sudden just completely incapable of figuring out where he's supposed to be? Like that second goal for the Hurricanes. I'm going to put a highlight up in the article. He was lost. Had no idea where he was supposed to be going. I don't know if his is a contract that you can move in the offseason. Because I don't know what kind of interest there would be. But maybe there is. If there is, this is a contract I would probably try to move on from. I think they can do better. I think they have a lot of young defensemen coming up. We're probably going to see Jordan Harris on Saturday. Um, and, you know, we were talking about I was talking in the chat with Scott Matla, and he was saying he wonders if maybe Jordan Harris gets to play in for David Savard on Saturday. And I don't really have a problem with that. <laughs> huh. I... I just really like to see Jordan Harris, and uh, you know, if they have to pull a guy like Savar out to make that happen, uh, I say go ahead and do it. Moving on to your silver lining of the night, um, yuck! I don't even want to give one for that game. It was really not a good game. Um, I would have to go with Jake Allen. Um, you look at how many shots he faced. I mean, they had uh, they only had two shots, the Hurricanes that is, in the third period, and one of them was the empty net goal. So a big part of that was obviously the fact that the refs started calling penalties against Carolina. Um, but before that period, I mean, at the end of the first or end of the second, sorry, they already had like 41, 42 shots total on goal. And they only had three goals to show for it. So you, you got to say, look at what Jake Allen did. Now, there was a stat put up by RDS, I believe. And this is, I think, three games or four games in a row now that he's faced over 40 shots and he's done this well. Like you're, you're not getting blown out. He's giving you very good goaltending, very good goaltending. And again, I, I, I don't know what this means in the off season, right? They obviously didn't trade him at the deadline. Um, we have no idea what's going to happen in the off season. Carey Price looks on and off. Like maybe he's going to come back. Maybe he's not. Nobody's really sure exactly where he's at or where his mind's at or when he's going to come back, or if he's going to come back. Now, assuming he does, they I think they have a decision to make because Jake Allen's clearly, clearly a starting caliber goaltender in the NHL. He's doing this, facing 40-plus shots night in, night out for the Montreal Canadiens and keeping things interesting, right? They go into a third period here. They're only down 3 nothing. If they score on one or two of those power plays, I mean, this could have been a different game. When they pull the goalie at the end there with three minutes to go, if they already got two on the board, who knows? right? 
Teravina doesn't score that empty net. I mean, we're playing a lot of what ifs here, right? But (laughs) all this to say, he's giving you starting caliber goaltending. He's giving you the type of goaltending that you only normally get from one guy, and that guy's Carey Price. So they got to make a decision in the offseason. I think they got to move one of them. I don't think it's fair to either of them to keep them both on the team. Obviously, you're going to have to go with Price as your starter if he's available. And then you got Jake Allen sitting there just, you know what, he's playing backup for you. And he's on that reasonable of a contract. And he's clearly good enough to be starting on a lot of teams in the NHL. I, I don't know. I, I just I think they have to make a decision there if, uh, if both of those goaltenders are available for them next year. Aside from that, um, last, last thought, final thought, whatever you want to call it. Um, I actually, before the game, I was like, man, I do not like this idea of putting Yoel Armia with Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. I honestly thought they didn't look bad at all. I would not be, like, I was very opposed to it prior to the game. I would now not be opposed to seeing it for a couple of more games. Keep it together. Let's see what happens. I'm going to end it there. Uh, we're running, what, uh, right around 13 minutes. So, uh, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter, at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I'd appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.